Welcome back to another episode of Bodies by Brent. I am your host, Brent Ruska, and it has been a minute. It has been a long while. I just need to take a little bit of a break from podcasting a little bit. I've switched studios. I'm trying to produce two episodes a week now, and I've expanded my guests to people on TikTok and all throughout the world. So I'm doing virtual episodes now, and this is my first one yet. Eden Lee Middleman is a sex and dating coach. She's a fucking rock star. On this episode of Bodies by Brent, Eden dives into the complex arena of modern dating and relationships, building and offering radically candid stories and advice that will help anyone find success. Eden uses her wisdom and expertise to help guide others through their dating and sex lives in the healthiest way possible. Her coaching style is honest, raw, and unfiltered and has led to impactful outcomes for her clients. You can find Eden sharing her experiences and advice on her podcast, Erotic, where she discusses how dating isn't just about finding someone, it's about finding yourself. This is a super fun conversation. Hope you guys really enjoy it. I'm going to have more and more episodes of just fucking awesome people I've been finding on the interwebs. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting Eden. Follow, like, and subscribe to the podcast. And for sure, leave a review. It helps so much. And that's fucking it. Let's dive into it. Eden, welcome to the podcast. Can you hear me? Thank you so much for having me. I can hear you perfectly. Awesome. So I got to hear about the origin story before we dive into cheating and all your dating tips. I need to hear the origin story of how you started the erotic brand and all that. Uh, so I actually was co-hosting another show called Your Block. Some of you guys might have heard of it or seen it on TikTok, two girls yelling at the screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we were talking about dating, sex, and love, the same thing that I'm doing now, except I decided to go my own separate way and actually study it. So now I'm a certified dating and sex coach. And my audience is a little bit younger, as you guys can probably tell from my content. Um, so then I started doing that full time. And I'm, I love it. That's amazing. So what made you want to make the switch, jump out on your own and become a dating sex coach? I, I think it was, and as, this is gonna sound super cheesy and cliche, but I think it's always been my calling. Like I was that friend in the group that everyone would come to for advice about anything and everything. And even if I didn't know much yeah. about it, I would be able to just give them like the raw honest truth. Even if you didn't want to hear it, I would tell it, you know what I mean? And so that's, that's kind of how I realized I had some sort of voice or a way of articulating myself that was resonating with other people. And growing up, I realized that dating and sex was always something that I learned a lot more about myself in when I was in certain circumstances and predicaments and relationships and things like that. And I grew up in a household where it it wasn't the healthiest example of what a relationship or marriage should be. And yeah. that was tough navigating when I was then dating and getting older and experimenting and doing all that stuff. And, you know, I then had to do some therapy for my own personal things. And I realized that, you know, dating and sex and all of that stuff was a great way of actually exploring myself. If I was able to be in tune with that and pause and just observe what was going on and why I was doing this or why I didn't like this, or why I did like this, or why this would freak me out. And I became so passionate about it and learning. And then I guess that's why I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, total self-exploration. Can you talk about what yeah. your parents' dynamic was that was um, not a healthy example for you? You know, I think it's unfortunately a lot more common than people want to talk about or make it out to seem because it's not like romantic or trendy or cool. Like, you know, yeah. the parents just get by, you know, they don't communicate properly. They don't communicate well. Um, I think that they just got married, you know, at the time, right? Like 
generations, things are different. There's pressure to get married and have kids and you have to get married in order to have kids. And so I think they never really truly were in love and they were never really a good partnership to begin with. Um, yeah. You know, great people individually, but together it's a fucking hurricane in the household. So. Yeah. It's not, I feel like a lot of our parents, it's not their fault. No one was given any tools. No one talked about anything and they just did their best. And it just became toxic simply because they didn't have any way of communicating with each other. And I feel like our generation is like the gap between like, you know, toxic or hot mess or challenging relationships. And we're the ones doing a lot of work on ourselves, growth, okay. people are becoming coaches. It's like, it's, it's, it's a in thing to really look at your own self and take self responsibility for who you want to be with and really be intentional with picking your partner. And so hopefully the generation five-year-olds and all that, that won't even be a thing. Like, it'll just be like, oh, I know my emotions. I know how to communicate. I know how to set boundaries. Well, it wasn't as accepted as it is now, right? Like back in the day to talk yeah. about your emotions or it's like, well, you know what? He doesn't beat you. He's not an alcoholic and he brings food on the table. You're good. And that's exactly the dynamic that my mom was in with her family, right? And so it was brought down and it's sort of this generational curse that then we have to break or learn on our own without the tools because they don't teach this in school. Right. So yeah. you resort to the internet and there's so many coaches out there, both good and bad. And that's kind of where things become difficult. And so that's why I always encourage therapy. Like I'm a coach. Great. But I'm not a therapist by any means. And I think everyone should have, you know, a therapist or go to somebody that they can trust that's professional that can guide them because it can be overwhelming, you know? Yeah. To try to figure it out on your own, you know, self-reflection is good, but self-reflection with somebody else who's a trained professional is, you know, 10 X mm -hmm. it's huge. What were some of the red flags in yourself that you started to become aware of? You're like, I think I need to start to work on some of this stuff because we all well, have our own red flags, oh, I think. <laughs> definitely not perfect. And I think I pride myself with what I do and being as real as I possibly can be and just straight up saying like, hey, listen, I've done this. I've screwed up. And I was the toxic partner in a lot of my past relationships, um, you know, and that was a sobering kind of idea to accept because I always regarded myself highly. I was like, well, no, I'm a good person. My morals, my ethics, my head's on my shoulder. But then when I was yeah. in relationships, I feel like, you know, if a guy was, let's say my boyfriend at the time was pissing me off or not giving me enough attention, I'd do something to get his attention. And that would be obviously like something stupid or toxic or mature, right? And this is when I was younger. And, you know, like it, and it would be similar in the household, right? Like, and I realized reflecting in my own household, how that was too, you know, raising your voice or yelling or bringing up arguments, things that you're supposed to be over because you already resolved that issue. You bring it up in new arguments, like very toxic little things that added up. And I was like, why am I not in a happy, healthy relationship? You know, and yeah. I had to do some reflecting because my partner was my mirror at the end of the day. What were some tools your therapist gave you that you use now with clients that really helps you kind of break some of those patterns. Uh, I love my therapist and it took me a while to find her. Um, it was a journey. Like I had to go through several to find that good chemistry and click, which is why I think it's important um, yeah. to just be patient with that journey. Cause it's difficult. Um, but she's, she kind of has the same approach as me. She gives it, you know, straight up nice and raw. And uh, she taught me to be hypercritical with myself, but in a self-loving way, which I thought was counterintuitive and kind of, oh, interesting. you know, didn't understand it, but she was like, self-love is accountability. Right. And I'm like, okay. And then I, you know, with time, I realized she was absolutely right. And that is own your shit and always aim to figure out what you can do better at 
and be okay with admitting, hey, I really suck at communicating. And you know what? I'm aware of that and being the first to say that rather than waiting for your partner to be like, you suck at that. When you already know what you bring to the table and what you need to work on. And I think that really helps me and that has helped me and my clients and people that I work with and all the content I think is based off of that owning your shit and knowing that, yes, it's good to sometimes give yourself the self-love and pet yourself and be kind, but we're, we all are flawed human beings and that's kind of the beauty in it. There's always room to grow. There's always room to improve, you know, so just yeah. figure out what it is that you struggle with and stop looking for the circumstances and the people that you can point fingers at and, and see where you can pull your weight. Yeah, it's like uh, tough love, like self love. You got to you got to be really honest with yourself. It might be painful at per first, but it is actually the most kind and loving thing you can do to yourself. Because on the other side of working through your own shit is love for yourself and and letting go of all that shit. And one of the toxic, most toxic things that can happen in a relationship is cheating. And I know you have an amazing episode on cheating. And I know you've cheated, yeah, and yeah. you've been cheated on. I want to hear your experience with both those stories. Okay. Um, it's funny because when, before I posted that video on cheating and wrote the blog post and posted content on it, uh, I went to a friend that was like, God, I've been like, I've, I've admitted that I've cheated before, right. On a podcast before, but it was kind of hidden within the sentences. Um, totally. and I said, I, I wanted to do this video and I want to get on there and talk about cheating because you know, all my clients and I, we talk about, you know, life after cheating and things like that. And a lot of my followers have been asking me what's cheating and how do I figure out, you know, what actually is considered infidelity and things like that. And I was like, but I, in order for me to talk about cheating, I have to be honest. And I have to say, well, I've cheated because I also have a, the perspective of the cheater as well. And that's why when I'm talking about cheating, I'm, I'm like, cut to cut the bullshit here. Like, it's not yeah. about your partner. It's about you. And so, uh, which we'll get into. And so she was just like, why are you so scared? Everyone cheats. And I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah. And so then I realized, you know, people are struggling with being cheated on, but so many people almost universally, while it is like forbidden, it's practiced consistently and it's just on the, on the low and it's hushed. So I went on there and I, you know, basically my story with cheating is I was in a relationship, a, a long relationship. It was about the five year mark and I was actually living okay, with yeah. him. Um, I can't believe I'm divulging all these details. And I, it started off, you know, like every cheating scandal or affair happens, right? It, a message, curiosity, you follow that curiosity. Somebody reached out to me. I started talking. What's the harm? What's the harm? You know, well, I'm not yep. happy in my relationship or he's always busy with work and not giving me attention. I've did my, I've done my part and had that conversation with him. Nothing's changed. Are we really dating? And then, you know, I followed that, started seeing yep. another person and was addicted to it like loved cheating in that moment right and it was fulfilling was, a need yeah absolutely i was chasing something that i thought that i could find in my partner but really it had to have come from me to yeah. begin with and i was blaming external circumstances uh, and my relationship to actually justify the cheating for as long as i could do you remember what it was like, you know, maybe the first or second time you were intimate, how it felt after you left and went back home to your partner? I, well, it, it's, it's, a it's, it's several emotions, I think. Um, yeah, I bet. You know, it's complex. You, oh, it's so complex. I mean, if you're kind of asking me what it's like to then go home and see my partner, 
Um, yeah. Our schedule was really didn't line, so I didn't get to see him. So I didn't really get to experience that like immediate, you know, oh my God moment of guilt and shame, um, which is why I think it continued. Um, but definitely I felt gross. And, you know, the reason why I continued to do it was because the high that I would get when I was feeling low, right? It was like, it's like an addiction, right? It's very similar to an addiction. So when I'm feeding that loneliness with something like, you know, to self-medicate myself as a Band-Aid solution, that's what kept me going. But yeah, I definitely felt like shit. I felt gross. Um, but then I was like, okay, don't think that way. Don't think that way because your relationship is shit, okay? And you're doing what you need to do in the moment to survive. Yeah. So I was just yeah, you have like two, two sides of you. I, I've been watching a lot of Intervention. I love that show for some reason. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about cheating and I feel like it's very similar in that, you know, at the end of the day, most people are good people and there's some kind of emotional distress happening within us. And instead of you using opioids or heroin or meth or whatever, you end up needing that affection as all human beings do. And then, yeah, we have a, almost an addiction and then a rationalization, and then it kind of spirals slightly. And mm -hmm. I imagine there's all these things going on. And then you're fighting, you know, these love hormones and good hormones inside of you. So yeah, it's, it's, you know, very, I imagine very addictive. It's yeah, it's addictive. It's complex too. And then, you know, what I realized with getting out of that and actually going to therapy and being like, I got to check myself. Like I, we, you know, we got to work on this because at the end of the day, you know, I was the only person that lost, right? Like, yes, people got hurt. And then I had to deal with knowing that I hurt more than one person. Um, what I realized too, was it also another layer to it was not just, oh, I'm seeking something that I can't give myself or my partner's not giving me, but also it was this vengeful, revenge adrenaline thing for me at the time, right? Because I was so mad at my boyfriend at the time. I was mad at my father for not being you know, the best father figure, like all of these things. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that's why I was doing it until I went to therapy and, and reflected on really the core of all of my feelings. So I was seeking something, sure, but it goes deeper than that. It's like it, there's layers uh, and it's quite intense. Was it, did you decide to go to therapy and decide to end the relationship because you got caught or you just came to a place of like, I think I just, I got to end this and, and, and I got to work on this. Um, okay. So the therapy I, I've been in therapy for like majority of my life. Um, you know, I was in therapy. I've been in therapy for like 10 plus years, more than that. And I went to, um, a different therapist for, you know, what I was going through with my relationship at the time. But I left the relationship not because I got caught. I didn't get caught for years post the relationship being over, by the way. So, um, you know, I tried to bury it and I tried to move on. And obviously somebody knows somebody who knows somebody. And then boom, right? Massive destruction years later. Um, yep. So I, I left the relationship because, you know, at that point after doing it for a while, I was like, I, I can't live with myself. So I, the reason why I can't live with myself is because I'm in a toxic home with this man. So I need to leave. Right. So I kept making excuses. So I thought leaving the household from this guy was going to give me some sort of peace or make me feel less crazy. Um, but oh, you know, but then I was, you know, homeless for a few months. I had nowhere to live. I was sleeping on my cousin's couch because we were living together. I had to be downtown. I had work, all of these circumstances. It wasn't ideal to leave, but I was at that point of desperation to get out, um, which I should have gone out a long time ago at that point. And I realized I was still unhappy, you know, and I was still feeling the same feelings that I did, even though I left. Right. And I expected that to be the end of everything, but it wasn't. So what were some of the big discoveries? You know, you're at that place. 
that you started to make with your new therapist about, you know, your reasons why. Why I cheated? Yeah, like like after, you know, you left, you thought, okay, leaving is going to solve this problem. But then you're realizing it's not solving the problem. What did you realize was the problem? The common denominator was running away and not facing anything, right? Like physically running away, emotionally running away, intimately, right? Diverting my attention from one person who I, you know, wasn't very intimate with at the time to somebody new, fresh and exciting. Um, oh, so yeah. it's constantly not being able to sit and deal with my shit and look myself in the eye and realize, okay, you did something bad, Eden. Okay. And there's something wrong. And, and how are you going to help yourself? Um, I didn't want to sit. And I, and I had the same sort of common denominator throughout my entire life in all areas, including work. I had no work-life balance. I didn't want work-life balance. I wanted to work yeah. myself to the ground. I didn't want a single second to myself because I knew that the feelings and the thoughts would come rushing in and I would have no way of dealing with them because I had no, no skills, no tangible things to do. Right. And the, you know, therapy obviously taught me different coping mechanisms, um, you know, that sometimes work, sometimes don't, but it was scary, right? Imagine to deal with all this shit that you've been pushing away for years. Yeah. And it's uncovered. So you got mm -hmm. into another relationship after you left that one. I did. And was that the relationship that you got cheated on? Uh, no. So I got cheated on, which is crazy because normally it's like, oh, karma, right? But uh, I actually got cheated on what, my first relationship when I was quite young. And I was like, I hate men. I hate cheaters. <laughs> Fuck this. It's disgusting, whatever. And I still ended up doing it. So it's like, it's kind of crazy to think about it that way. But I feel like a lot of people are like ethically and morally, obviously cheating is wrong. But where are the lines? Where are the boundaries? And, you know, can you justify cheating? There are so many loopholes, I feel like now. What do you think are the loopholes? And then also looking back, Mm -hmm. You know, in those moments, where do you think you could have stopped yourself or how would you have done something different? Mm. Well, I'll answer the, the latter question first, I think. Um, I think now, obviously, I wouldn't have gotten myself in that position. If somebody was enticing to me and I was in a relationship, I would obviously have to reevaluate myself in my relationship um, because sometimes that'll show you something uh, about yourself or about where you're at or about your relationship. Uh, I would probably obviously leave if I was still on that wavelength of wanting to experience something new with somebody else. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is if I could go back in time, I would spend more time with myself and actually try and work on the things that I was feeling and understand them rather than just blame and shame other people for them and run away from them. Um, because till this very day, obviously, I still have to deal with the repercussions of that point in my life. Not that there were repercussions, but, you know, they, they definitely stunted, I feel like, where I could have been today, right, um, from all of that trauma and all of that, you know, craziness that happened in my life, you know? And there's a lot of shame, too, in society. I live in, like, a community where people know about it, like, and, oh, oh, she's a cheater. Oh, she's, you know, and then you're shamed for the rest of your life. Once a cheater, always a cheater. So there's a lot that you deal with afterwards. Um, so, yeah. What do you say when people say once a cheater, always a cheater? What's your opinion on that? Um, straight up, I think there is a lot of validity to it. If you don't get caught and if you don't do the healing, right? Like, you yeah. know, you will continue to cheat. And if it's not with that exact same dynamic, like, you know, that three combo there, like you, your partner and somebody else, it will be in yep. another relationship. If you don't pause and realize why you're cheating, um, and, and you're going to sit there and blame everybody else till, you know, one day you get caught, one day you deal with some 
you know, blow up, shame, guilt, all of that stuff. And then you're going to work on it. So yeah, I do believe that once cheater, always a cheater, if you don't get caught and if you don't work on it, um, you know, but otherwise I've, I refuse to cheat again. <laughs> I think I'm pretty traumatized from that. And, uh, I've, I've learned a lot about myself and I don't feel the need to do that. I won't get into a relationship with somebody if I'm not ready to commit to what that means. It seems like some of avoiding cheating or being cheated on too is really knowing yourself really being able to pause every step of the way through the dating process into a long-term relationship. What are some of the cheating loopholes? Uh, okay. So, well, I mean, we've all heard it, right? Oh, um, you know, having my ex-girlfriends on social media is not cheating, right? Oh, um, watching porn, not cheating. Everyone does it. Oh, uh, you know, hugging a family friend that I've known and then going out with her and, and not telling my girlfriend because I didn't think it was important because nothing happened. That's not cheating. Oh, you know, um, we were fighting. We were on a quote unquote break and I ended up fucking three girls that night, but that doesn't count, right? These are the loopholes of cheating and it's become so much easier now with social media, yada, yada, all that stuff. But at the same time, and I watched all the Esther Perel videos out there. She's phenomenal. So thank you for yes. sending me that, Brent. Um, she had a phenomenal quote. And it was like, you know, today it is more easier to cheat than ever before, but it's also harder to get away with it and keep it a secret. Um, and it's so true because social media, while it does entice you and there's so many options and you can DM and your girl won't know and you can watch stories and your girl or guy won't know and, you know, all these things, right, that, well, because she doesn't know because she can't find out is it really cheating and i'm not like sexual with them i'm not like balls deep in them sorry i don't know if this is a pg podcast or not no let it let it okay. rip perfect um <laughs> just my style um then you know it's not cheating these are loopholes so it's endless it is endless so how do you set you know how do you set a container or uh, understanding and boundaries with your partner to determine what's cheating and not cheating. I think a big mistake a lot of people make is they don't even have a conversation about it, but how do you go about setting boundaries and mm -hmm. what are good boundaries to set? Uh, so it's going to sound very inauthentic and possibly like something that most people won't do because it's, it's not a comfortable thing to do, but you know, the earlier parts of your relationship, when you've decided that you're committed and you guys know what commitment looks like to one another, because again, another loophole to potentially keeping your options open is not actually solidifying what commitment looks like to you or means to you. To some people, commitment is, well, yeah, I'll see you for like a brief period of time. There's really no long-term game here. And at any point I can check out and, you know, I can ghost you and whatever, and then I can cheat. And then if I want to come back, I can come back, right? Like some people have this elaborate scheme of what commitment is in the moment. It's not like a long-term game for them. So figure that out first and foremost. And then it's a conversation of boundaries. It's a conversation of saying, hey, listen, you know, I hope that we're on the same page about this. And like, I think that we should be because it's the most important thing, obviously, in longevity and loyalty and transparency and the whole fundamentals of a monogamous relationship. Um, you know, what is cheating to you? You know, are you okay with porn? Are you not okay with porn? Um, you know, and ask them what they feel, not what, don't come in and say, I don't like it when guys watch porn and they're cheaters if they do, <laughs> you know, yeah. like some, some girls and some guys are, you know, guilty of going out there and being like, this is what I want. Well, honey, it's yeah. not just you, right? There's another person to factor in. And sometimes you'll have to compromise. Now I'm not big on compromising on personal boundaries, come into a relationship knowing 
what is a big no and what is a big yes and what is a non-negotiable for you, right? Like you have to have non-negotiables, but you also have things that you are, you know, I have only experienced this being negative, but you know, I'm also going to be open and with the right person, porn might be okay. You know, or maybe we can watch it together. Or like there's ways to compromise certain things to make each other feel more comfortable. And then, so once you've had a conversation like that, which I know is difficult, in the moment when you spot something that gives you that feeling of discomfort, that starts to get close to that wishy-washy line of is this cheating or is this not, is when you have to say, hold on, pause. I felt like this when you did this. And, you know, I know that maybe your intentions weren't that, but that's what it, that's what it does to me. That's how it makes me feel. And I'm just, I don't think I'm cool with that, you know, and maybe in the future I will be, but right now I'm not. And so I just want you to know that. And I hope that you can respect that. Um, I think also double standards too is a big thing. Like you don't want to have double standards. So if you're saying this makes you feel uncomfortable, don't go around doing that, you know? So if, if you don't like your man to have girlfriends, then you shouldn't go around having super close guy friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have my own personal, like, if, would I be okay if my partner were doing the same thing, right? Okay. Like, if I'm, we're going to go do this. So in that moment, would I act in the way that I want my partner to act? It's kind of like, is my way of navigating through the world when I have a partner. I think that's good, but it's also flawed because, you know, I've had experiences with a guy, for example, who he is, you know, a lot more open and social and okay with having you know, girls around him and he's like, he's not doing anything or whatever, but he grew up with like a lot of girlfriends and yeah. I'm not cool with that. And I would never do that for him. Even if he's like, you can have guy friends. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Got it. Yeah. For that, you. that makes so, sense. Yeah. So there are, there are, like, I think it's a great way. And it's a good starting point to think that way. Like what I want my partner to do this to me. And if not, then why the fuck am I doing this? Right. Um, that's a great way to think, but there are always exceptions. Right. Totally. So, Cool. So you really need to sit down and kind of think to yourself what's comfortable, not comfortable. Have that hard conversation up front because if you don't, uh, things are going to spiral. And when you do feel something in you, hopefully you have a partner, you just communicate, hey, I feel I feel this when this happened. I just want to talk to you about it. And for those that don't want to do this or think, eh, I'm not going to, it's fine. He should know. She should know. You're setting yourself up for failure, right? Like it, when you are not being clean cut, like you don't want this person to twist any words or any ambiguity to be there because then when things happen, they can look at you with their puppy eyes and put on an act and say, well, I didn't know, or I don't think that that's a big deal or, you know, and it's years down the line or months down the line. So do your part, right? Again, it's all about, comes down to what I always preach, accountability, do your part or else you'll cry about it later and you're going to have to deal with more shit. Right. So make things easier yeah. for you. I like to be crystal clear. Like you're not going to get confused. If you need me to translate in a different, uh, different language for you, I'll do it too. Like, let's keep it very quick and concise. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. want to play games, you know, and this is for serious relationships, obviously. I love that radical responsibility. You can't really mm -hmm. control the outcomes if you don't really take responsibility. Do you have advice for people that have been in really long-term relationships that have not had any of these conversations in a long time? Um, How to have them? Yeah. So it's, it's definitely going to oftentimes what I've seen is there is some friction at the beginning when you start saying, Oh, I don't like what you've been doing. Um, because then the other person feels like it's almost an attack. Where is this coming from? You know, you haven't said anything. It's not fair. You're blindsiding me. 
So I think just having a conversation and saying, and being a transparent and honest, right? It doesn't need to be forged or fake. Guys, speak from the heart. And I think that that goes so much farther than listening to somebody online and writing a script down and repeating it and regurgitating it. So just say what you feel like, hey, listen, I haven't truthfully said that, you know, these certain things were bothering me in the past because they didn't, or maybe I was trying to be the cool girl or cool guy and I didn't want to bother you and I didn't want to invade your world or how you were living before me, pre me. But it's getting to the point where, you know, our relationship is serious and it means the world to me. And I want to make sure that we're both happy, healthy and comfortable And, you know, I have to do my due diligence and be transparent with you that, you know, this is no longer something I'm comfortable with. And I, you know, I know I'm blindsiding you and like admit those things if that's how you might feel in the moment and just be honest. And your partner, a lot of people don't talk because of the fear of of what the partner is going to say that he's not going to say or she's not going to say what you want them to say. And that's a red flag in your relationship already. Right. So keep that in mind. If your partner is not greeting your honesty and you speaking from the heart, and, and making it a you, not a them problem, right? Um, then your partner's not a healthy partner. If they're going to reject that or, or be defensive, like red flags everywhere, your partner should be reassuring. Your partner should be open and listening. Yeah. And like, okay, I hear you. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. So it's not that hard for me to stop talking to girls. Like it's not because you're important to me. You know, it's not rocket yeah, science. If they're getting defensive. They're gaslighting you. You know, there's a, there's a deeper issue already. 100%, 100%. Um, and most often than not the person and, you know, yes, there are exceptions, but I believe that people who gaslight or get defensive right away, it's because they're doing it and they don't want to stop. You know, that's the reality of it. Do you have any other thoughts on cheating? Um, okay. Well, I think that, I mean, as, as a woman, I think that the conversation about cheating, um, in my world with all of my girlfriends is, you know, is, was there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me that he cheated on me? Am I not hot enough? Am I not good in bed? Am I not this? Am I not satisfying his needs? And I think, you know, if those that are listening haven't already gotten the gist, it's not really about you. Don't make it about you. You know, it's about the person who did the cheating. It's all their problems and their issues. You know, yes, there, there's always room for improvement in relationships, but trust me, that person would have cheated on you even if you were the most perfect person in a relationship if they did not deal with their shit. So that's kind of like an end note to cheating if we want to wrap the cheating part up just because I really want people to understand that it's not really about you, right? And I'm aware that, you know, girls cheat on guys like I did. Uh, so I'm, I'm not trying to say it's just for women, but in general, like, it's not, it's not a you problem. Don't take it as such. And don't let that jade you or have you walking around the world hating on the opposite sex or the gender or the sex that you're attracted to and, you know, write off relationships for the rest of your life. That's not fair to you. Don't let that person ruin you. Yeah. It's a, it's a cheating, whether on either side is a traumatic event and mm-hmm. you have a choice to kind of carry that trauma on or release it and let go and learn and have an even better relationship, regardless if you're a cheater or cheated on. It sounds exactly. Like. Exactly. All right. So I need, we all need good dating advice. You know, I hear all the time from clients that it's a shit show out there. And I want to hear from you, you know, the way you approach dating and then now learning and educating yourself and doing therapy. What are good strategies for successful dating? Um, it's really a big question. I think, again, dating starts with you. Uh, number one for success is come equipped, okay? So know what you want, when you want it, uh, with who you want it with. And what I mean by that is when you meet somebody, oftentimes, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard of box theory, Brent, but it's... No. I didn't, I didn't invent this. Um, 
it's all over the internet apparently, but, and it's true when you meet somebody right away, right? Your, your mind goes to three things. I think for guys and girls, almost immediately after a few exchanges of sentences and words, you're like, okay, would I fuck you? Could I date you? Or is this just a platonic thing? Are we just friends or nothing at all? Right. So I think when you go into those interactions with dating, know what your end goal is. People aimlessly shoot their shot and then they're like, well, what am I going to do with this? You know what I mean? And then they're like, well, how do I follow this? Or what am I doing here? Do I just want to have sex? Do I just want to casually date? Do I want a relationship? What the fuck do you want? And a lot of times we date without knowing and then we blame the rest of the world being like, oh, everyone's ghosting me or everyone's this, everyone's that. Be clear on what you want so that the actions that follow are just as crystal clear. You know, and I think communication, I know everyone rolls their eyes when I say communication for dating and relationship success and anything in life, business, whatever. Learn how to communicate what you think, your feelings, also know your boundaries and how to communicate those things, your wants and your needs, right? Um, you know, I think those are like the basics. It's a must for dating. I think being open, but also taking time for yourself and keeping busy. People oftentimes think that I'm crazy when I say that dating should not be the primary thing that you think about when dating. And what I mean by that is, is you know, I believe in energy to a degree. And I think that when people are obsessing over dating, like, Oh, I need to date. I need a man. I need a girl. I need this. I want to fuck. I want to whatever. Okay. Whatever the, the point of you pursuing other people is when you're obsessing like that, you're exuding really just negative, toxic, desperate energy. That is a turnoff for anybody. You can be the hottest, the most successful, whatever you want to say makes you attractive in dating. It makes you successful in dating. But when you are going around with that energy and you're hungry for that, you are basically saying that you lack that. Okay. And nobody wants to be with somebody who is going to look at them like you are my world. Like you will fulfill all of the things that I need you to fulfill. Nobody wants to have that much responsibility, especially at the beginning. It's where that phrase comes, you know, you can smell desperation, right? And it's, it's, it's like we as human beings can sense it. Mm -hmm. I I, like, it's it's, not, not an attraction. It, It just repels. And it's, and it's, it's the same when you walk into a room and you're like, the energy feels off. There's some kind of sense that we can just feel that's unexplainable. Yeah. Like even online, even through DMs and texting, like there's something oh, 100%, there. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you can vouch for that too. And everyone's experienced this. Like, let's say, you know, you're in the best shape of your life. All right. Bodies by Brent, everyone. And you're going out and you're all dolled up and you look amazing and you feel good. And you're like, I'm going to find my husband tonight, or I'm going to find my girl tonight. (laughs) And girls do this. I mean, I don't know about guys, but girls do this for sure. And they sit there at the bar, sitting pretty, looking around this, that, that girl, you're stunning, right? There's there's no doubt about that, but your energy is ugly, right? And, And nobody is going to find that attractive. Every time I've ever gotten into a relationship, a serious relationship was when I literally, and I swear to you, I did not even want to date, to be honest. I was like, nah, I could go without it. I'm focused on my business. I'm focused on my friends, my family, everything else. And that right person walks in, right? And I think it's the vibration, the energy vibration that you're giving off. You attract, like attracts like. So if you're going to be desperate and you end up accidentally finding somebody, I guarantee you it's not going to be long-term. It never is. And uh, it's usually a, a quick fuck and it's not even worth it anyways. You know, so... All of these things, like your mindset's got to be in check for dating success. You know, I can give you tangible, you know, oh, how to pick up girls and how to pick up whatever. At the end of the day, it starts with you, right? Like I can't 
there's no there's no quick fix there's no life hack there's no 20-day ebook to buy that's going to solve all your issues you got to put in the work you know so maybe not the answer you guys want to hear but <laughs> no it's good you know your internal world right is going to be expressed on the external also i imagine if you want to have a good quality long-term relationship if you don't have your own life and you don't have your own things that bring you joy know how to fulfill it eventually that foundation is going to crack and fall apart anyways mm -hmm. because you're going to drain the other person and it's going to become probably codependent or toxic or something right so it's it behooves everyone i think to just develop that even myself i'm trying to incorporate there's all these pieces right what would you say some of the pieces are to creating kind of a fulfilled life to be able to attract somebody into it i think make sure that you are being true to yourself with what you want to do. I think finding a passion, a hobby, um, you know, there's like rules to hobbies, right? One that makes you money, one that fulfills you. I don't know, all these, you know, rules or whatever, but just make sure that you're fulfilled and you're happy and you're doing what you want um, and that you're focused on self-growth and that and being on that journey, right? And being in tune with yourself. It, it's the most attractive when somebody is in tune with themselves because then they can be in tune with other people and connect to other people on another level, right? I believe it, it's part of building that emotional intelligence with yourself and with others, you know? Um, so everything that you do, like you said, everything internal will exude external um the you know there is no right way of doing things whatever makes you feel good and as long as you are resorting to healthier alternatives to things or you're pushing healthier you know narratives in your mind and you're getting up and you're you know doing one little thing that's going to improve you as a human being i think that you're on the right path and also for those that are upset or feel discouraged because they feel like they've been doing that and it hasn't been working just think the universe or whatever it is that you believe in that a person hasn't come into your life yet because chances are you'll realize why they haven't in the moment that you that you feel like you need them or want them because um, when they do you'll be even more ready at that point you know like i believe it's a great filtration process people that don't work out for you people that you know like life just guiding you and, and not being successful in your dating life in that moment if you've done the work and you are doing the work continuously and it's still not working for you, just trust that there's a bigger reason for it, in my opinion. Yeah, I love that. In your own life, what are some of the buckets you focus on keeping full to feel fully like embodied and good and, mm -hmm. and just kind of flowing with life? Um, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm a mixture of all the things that you, have, you guys have probably already know. I like to read a lot. I like to take time to you know, five, 10, 15 minutes to just meditate. And by meditate, I don't mean, um, and deep breathing and all of those things. Um, you know, that could work for some people. For me, I like to just sit with myself in the morning and let my thoughts float and do nothing about them. I think that that's really powerful too, is to be aware of what's going on in your mind and just letting them be. I think that's taking back your control and not, you know, and working on anxiety and things like that. Um, you know, I've been writing a lot too, which has helped me express myself and, and look at things differently. Um, I do this activity too, which I, I believe has helped me um, with, you know, being in relationships with dating, with all that stuff is I write down things I'm anxious about. So let's say you're dating someone or you're seeing someone, they haven't responded to you. Um, I like to write down, okay, why am I upset? Because he hasn't responded to me. Okay. And what? And what? And like, and challenge every thought until you realize how irrelevant or how it's really not that big of a deal anymore. You know, practicing these little things have has made me feel more in tune with myself, um, and has kept me, I think, I hope, in a more stable mindset that I believe um, has helped attract the right people for me. You know, in the past few years. That's amazing. So, say you know, 
guy or girl, your life is flowing, it's great, and you see somebody that you're attracted to, what what's a good way for guys to approach a woman and kind of begin those first stages of dating? And when do you have that conversation about, this is what I'm looking for, sex, mm -hmm. relationship, or just casual? Uh, I'll answer the latter question because I think that's like a quick answer for me. Uh, the minute you figure out, the minute you know. Like if it's the first date and you're like, yeah, there's no way in hell I'm bringing her to my mom. Um, but, but, you know, she can come <laughs> over tonight. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I would just, I would just be honest. Be like, hey, listen, I'm not interested in uh, anything serious. And I just want you to know that because I respect you and your time and all that stuff. And I totally get it if that's not what you want, you know? Uh, being understanding and giving them an out, right? I think that that's super critical. People don't think of giving people an out. They think about themselves a lot, right? And they don't think of how things are translated to the other person. So I think that that's super important when you have those conversations. So the answer is just when you know. Um, so it could be a month into dating and you realize you want to be in a long-term relationship with them and you want to be exclusive. That's when you open your mouth and you say it. Why? What are you waiting for? Right? Are you waiting for them to tell you first? Are you five years old? Uh, <laughs> do you want to get your heart yeah. broken? Um, you know, you, if you want that, say it. Right? Otherwise, you can't expect them to naturally know, or you know, you'll be surprised. Some people don't pick up on cues. You, some people don't, and that's fine. So you have to make it be known and do your part. Like I said, accountability. Um, and then, sorry, you said what was the other question? I lost my train of thought. You know, Before. just approach initial attraction. Uh, Mm -hmm. tips for just approaching even whether you're a guy or a girl you know i think it's awesome when a girl approaches a guy you know what are tips for men and women you see someone attractive your life's fucking great how do i approach well it's good that your life's fucking great um <laughs> I, I think not me i'm just saying like based on your criteria <laughs> no i know i know <laughs> Um, no, it's good. Your life's fucking great. You're ready to approach somebody. You see somebody yeah, you feel like a fucking you, rock star. Yeah, exactly. Uh, rock star vibes and you're, you see somebody that catches your eye. The first thing is don't do anything. Okay, please, my friends. And I know that people are like, what? What do you mean? Um, I'm that type of person that believes that you should put a little bit more thought before you speak, before you walk, before you do anything. Okay. Observe. People give clues and hints, even online, people are fucking posting every five seconds about things they like and want attention for, right? Let's be real. So there people are dropping hints constantly of, you know, a little bit about them or what they want you to know. So in, you know, in person, yes, it could be a little bit challenging if you can't really read a lot of social cues, things like that. But who is she with? Is she in the middle of a conversation that seems in depth? You probably shouldn't approach her then right now, right? My biggest um, little hack, if you are not getting any social cues that she's possibly interested in you, right? She's not glancing over. She doesn't know you exist, but you really can't, you know, give this up. You, you have to do something. If you are at a bar or at a restaurant, this is the best. Get her a drink, but hold on. It's not, let me buy you a drink, baby. What's your name? It's <laughs> sit in your corner where you've been and have the waitress or waiter, get them another drink of what they're having and say it's on you. Have them point to you, you wave, you don't do anything about it. What that does, you know, sometimes this works and it doesn't, but I think it gives the girl or guy space to decide what they want to do. Because when we approach other people, we're not really giving them a second to be like, oh my God, like, did I consent to this? Do I even want to talk? Am I even ready to talk? Yeah. 
so that drink thing has always been like a little hack for those that want something tangible. Um, And if she's interested, she'll either approach you or she'll smile or wave at you or send one back. And here is how you break the ice before you have to break the real ice. Do you know what I mean? And this is the consent, the the agreement that you both are interested in each other. Um, If you don't want to do the drink thing, you have to read her or his body, you know, social cues, eye contact, things like that. Um, If you want to walk up to them and you've got none of that, you are most likely going to walk into a more uncomfortable, awkward situation where he or she is thrown off um, and sometimes a little bit defensive. So don't take that personally, right? Understand that you are coming into their space right now and they weren't expecting it. So, you know, if that's how you want to do it, I think what's really nice and what's worked on me personally is when a guy's like, listen, I know, you know, you've probably been approached or I know that this is probably uncomfortable or weird or whatever. I don't usually do this, but I just couldn't pass up the opportunity. I just want to say, hi, you know, this is who I am. Make a joke, you know, whatever it is that you can bank on your personality in that moment, find a commonality or something to talk about. And if the conversation is flat, just take it as that's not your person, right? You, you couldn't even build a simple conversation. It's not your person. Um, I don't have some like, you know, crazy, uh, one pickup line that works on everybody, guy and girl. But I think it's important to do your research before. If you want to slide in on a DM, this is so easy. Watch their stories and slide into something that is not sexual, not talking about their looks. Don't freaking send a heart emoji, eyes, something stupid like that. <laughs> what the hell is anyone going to respond to? Or, hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Biggest thing, follow the conversation in your mind. If you want to introduce yourself and say, hi, my name is, what's your name? She's going to say her name and then look at you blindly. End of conversation. Nobody cares about your name until I'm actually interested in you. So leave that to the end, right? People oftentimes think, oh, these are like formal greetings and things like that. Well, dating and relationships in our world is not very formal anymore. Nobody gives a fuck about who you are or what, what you're doing at this bar or, you know, the name of your dog or whatever. Not until I actually care about you. Yep. So slide in with something unique and different. So, you know, you're watching her story and she's posting, I don't know, something. Um, and her cabinet seems, is open in the back. This worked on me. It was funny. The guy's like, you know, your cabinet's open. Like, close it. You know, and he wasn't talking <laughs> about me. He wasn't. Yeah. And it was he was banking on his personality, his weird humor, which I was attracted to. So I think, yeah. yeah, think outside the box a little bit and watch them for a minute. If you don't have an opportunity, um, pass it up or shoot your shot and just know that success rates are quite low and that's okay. You are practicing. You're building your confidence. You're building your narrative and you're learning how to deal with rejection if it happens. Yeah, that's great. Um, do you have advice for first dates, second dates, you know, or is it very individual? A bit of both. I think we can all agree that a dinner date, although sounds ideal for the first date, is awkward as shit. And nobody likes to pay for the bill. Shit gets weird. Did I even like you? What if you hate her or hate him? Right? Like, let's not pretend to reach for the bill when we really don't want to pay. We want to get the hell out of there halfway through. We go to the washroom. We think of escaping through the window. Like, don't put yourself in a position where you're committed to each other for an extended period of time and you have to necessarily you know, uh, spend money or whatever. Like, don't put yourself in a comfortable position. You guys are already uncomfortable. You don't know one another. There is nothing better than a coffee date or a tea date. You grab and you walk. This helps with the jitters for those that are, you know, really nervous and struggle to make conversation or just starting to get back out there and date. Uh, Walking and having things around you that you can 
make conversation about that you both can see as common ground technically, uh, nothing riveting, but it could be a conversation starter. So I think, you know, the, the, the simpler, the better, because you want to get to know each other and not be swayed by the frills of, you know, some extravagant first date, unless you've been talking online for a long time and you kind of have created something, you've done future projections, which is a great way of turning a platonic friendship into you know, something that could be a little bit more, um, you know, to project what you guys would do based off of the conversations you've had. That's maybe a little bit more mindful, like a little picnic or something, but keep it simple. First date should not be anything extravagant. Relieve the pressure from both of you guys. Yeah. I think walk's awesome because you can make the walk go longer or you can keep it short. You, you yeah. have like an out at any moment. You can just 100%. pull the ripcord and be like, I'm fucking out of here. It's yeah. funny. I've seen a lot of TikToks though. There's like a lot of women who are like, I would never go on a date with a man who asked me to coffee or a walk. I was like, first of all, coffee and walks are fucking amazing. Yeah. So that's weird. <laughs> and also, yeah, why do you want to be stuck at a formal dinner with somebody and you're like, uh, like I barely know your energy. I know. You know, it's a, um, I think it's a bit of a cultural thing. Um, I'm half Eastern European and in Russia, not that I'm like, I've never really been, but I know a lot of people from Russia and like my family, and women there will not go on a date with you unless you buy them a bouquet of flowers and take them on an extravagant dinner. Like that's the norm there, right? And wow. so you know, then they come here in North America. I have a family friend of mine who's straight, you know, fresh off the boat from Russia, God bless him. And he's like trying to date and he's bringing bouquets to these women's homes and, and they're looking at him like, what the fuck is wrong with this man, you know? So I think that there's also that. Um, and yes, you know what? At the end of the day, let's not ignore the fact that there are women and men who have expectations for first dates, and that is non-negotiable for them. And you know what I say to those people? There is a lid to every pot. So find the person who agrees with you on that. Stop trying to make another lid to another pot fit if it just doesn't, okay? I think that just keep things simple. People, you know, see somebody and like, oh, she's so hot, he's so hot, or, you know, he's got a blue check mark. Oh, wow, on Instagram. And you pursue yeah. somebody and they keep showing you that they're not for you, but you yeah. keep doing it anyways and you break your own boundaries. You end up in a relationship and then you wonder why you wake up a few years later and you're unhappy. You know? Yeah, exactly. Do you have an example or a story where you knocked it out of the park, hitting a guy up, <laughs> like approaching a guy? Yeah. Um, oh, what, what has worked? Yes. Um, so I, I'm a little bit old fashioned. I don't usually approach guys, but this one time I couldn't take it. Okay. So I went out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the way I listen, this is not something that I would recommend everyone to replicate because this is my way of flirting and this is my humor and my personality. Okay. So it doesn't sit well mm -hmm. with everybody and this could have gone south real quick. So I was out and about, it was Halloween. Um, you know, and it was a bar. It wasn't anything crazy. And I was with my group of friends and I happened to turn around. And I noticed this guy sitting at a booth by himself. His friends left. Like I knew he had friends and people were there. Um, and he was just like staring at me and he would look away when we would, you know, make eye contact kind of like this. And he was nervous and the whole night he was doing this. And I was like, is this fucking guy going to approach me or not? What is going on? I think he's cute. I'm looking at him. I'm smiling at him. I'm like, you know, okay, yes, come here. You know? Yeah, let's go, and dude. Let's go. Come on. Nothing. And normally that frustrates me, right? When I'm giving you the okay and you continuously look, I'm like, what do you, like, just at that point, you just got to, you know, pull the trigger and Jump. go. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, or don't and, and we'll never see you again. It is what it is. So the end of the night approaches. <laughs> This guy still hasn't said anything. I'm putting on my coat. My friends are walking in front of me. And I'm like, guys, hold on one second. He's at the booth. 
and I go and I sit right next to him and I look at him and I say, <laughs> were you just going to stare at me the whole night and not say anything and not approach me? And he's like, like jaw dropped. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like I just got out of this relationship and I don't know how to date. And I was nervous and I didn't want to bother you and like all these things. And I'm like, so do you want my number or not? And he's like shaking and gives me his phone. He's like, please. <laughs> and so, you know, it was, I was very like rough and hard and straight up with him. And I think that he it caught him off guard because it's probably not like the typical approach, but you know, I, he consented to me coming up to him. We were like kind of eye fucking the whole night for lack of a better yeah. term. And so, yeah. you know, I, I ended up making, I just, I was clean cut about it. And I spoke to a few guys actually on an interview I did yesterday and they were like, you know what? Sometimes it's just best if a girl just says what she wants and comes up and just does some of that work, you know, and doesn't make it super challenging. Yes. We like a chase sometimes and we like a little bit of a challenge, but you know, sometimes just make it be known. Um, and so that's what I did and it worked and it's not going to work for everybody, but yeah. Yeah. And sometimes then we saw you each other go for what you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we did, we saw each other for a bit afterwards. Yeah. So it all worked out. That's awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a big part of all of this is, you know, radical responsibility, deep inner internal reflection, you know, other than working with a coach, which is, you know, it seems like a must, you know, doing your own therapeutic work. What are some books you recommend or even courses for people beginning this process of self-discovery? Um, it's, not exactly a self-discovery book, but it really helped my mindset and understanding the power of dealing with your thoughts. Um, it's written by Dr. Uh, Dr. Habib Sadegi, I believe I'm pronouncing that correct. It's called The Clarity Cleanse. Uh, a must read for everybody. I, I think he's wonderful. And then I have another book called Attachment. Um, I can grab it for you. I don't know who wrote it, but also a book my therapist actually recommended for me. And that has helped with my coaching um, and understanding different attachments that you build in relationships um, and, and all of that and love languages, because you hear that word thrown around a lot, but it, it's crazy how everybody has their own attachment style based off of their past and their upbringing and how that really does impact your relationships and what you should be working on, right? So knowing more about yourself will allow you to figure out, okay, where do I start? Well, I know that I need to work on this when it comes to relationships, or I need to work on this when it comes to, you know, dealing with people in a, in a business setting or whatever it might be. Um, I can give you the name of that book after if you want to take a picture of it or something for you. Fuck yeah, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Okay. And because it's a fitness podcast, we got to ask, what's your workout routine like? Okay, so I'm not a huge <laughs> workout uh, person, but yoga, um, yeah, what kind? has always been my thing. I used to do hot yoga every week and I loved it. But with COVID mm -hmm. and all that stuff, things were shut down. And uh, so I just do regular yoga. I love yoga by Adrienne on YouTube. She's great for, at, at, you know, any level that you're at with yoga. Um, it's great for my mental as well as my body. I used to be a competitive dancer. So sometimes I'll dance around in my place. <laughs> No live making routines. Awesome. <laughs> um, and then I have a dog. So we do a lot of hikes and walks around the city um, and trails here in Toronto. So, yeah, I just kind of do what I can. Sometimes I'll throw in like a little booty pump, a little ab workout here and there. But, uh, yeah, I like to just be lean and tone and, and dancer's body kind of thing. So I just maintain that. 
That's super rad. Yeah, I love hot yoga too, especially if it's like an infrared studio. It just, you feel so good afterwards. Oh, the best feeling. It's such a I would a do cleanse. it every Friday. Yeah. 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 Some guy asked me on a first date to do hot yoga. I was like, fuck no. I'm not sweating that much in front of you on a first <laughs> date. What the fuck? That's a real sloppy date, I feel like. Because you just yeah. get like murdered in front of each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no. You're you like, know, oh, I'm here's, here's. Here's my pool, like my literal like kiddie pool of sweat yeah, <laughs> right next to yeah. you. I mean, I don't yeah. know what he was into, but I was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. You clearly haven't watched any of my videos because we're doing a coffee date first. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, come on, bro. One-on-one, do come your on. research. <laughs> <laughs> Super easy with me. <laughs> Eden, I really appreciate your time. How do people connect with you? How do people work with you? How do they follow you? Thank you. Um, so you can find all that information on my website, e-roticthebrand.com. And then you can follow my personal Instagram um, at Eden Lee Middleman, which is my full name. Um, and you can get the links to everything else through that and my website. And my services are available on my website as well. Hell yeah. And one last question. What is the mm -hmm. future of your brand? Like where, where are we taking all this? I'm curious. Uh, well, the, you know, I feel like the brand grows with you with time right so i'm sure it'll evolve the way i evolve um i want it to be more than just dating sex and love um you know branch out to more lifestyle one day uh, and have other people a part of the brand too that can give a different perspective i feel like that's really important like i had my brother on one of my first uh, podcasts and that was a hoot people loved it um because he offered a different perspective right and so i do want to have more voices uh, on the erotic brand for sure one day fucking love it well eden again mm -hmm. thank you very much very grateful and, thank you uh, friends it's been fun again yeah. yes boom guys thank you so much for being here remember follow the podcast leave a review helps us out so much and just thank you so much for fucking being here. I really appreciate it. I love doing this. I find love finding interesting people. I love connecting with people. I love having fucking conversations. It's amazing. If you want to be on the podcast, you know someone that would want to be on the podcast, you have feedback about the podcast, hit me up on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, or shoot me an email, Brent at bodiesbybrent.com. And uh, hope you guys are enjoying this. I will see you. Hear me. Something like that on the next episode.